Preparing for disaster is nothing new in Florida when it comes to hurricanes, but what happens when your city faces historic amounts of rainfall in a 12-hour period from a freak rainstorm? Next up on Today in Tech, we're going to talk about how the city not only responded to restore its communication systems, but also used the disaster as an opportunity to accelerate its modernization efforts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Joining me on the show today is Tamika McKay. She is the CIO of the city of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome to the show, Tamika. Thank you. Thanks okay. for having me. Yeah, so this happened in April, and I was looking this up on, on the inter internet, and it said um, in Fort Lauderdale and the surrounding areas on April 12th, 2023, uh, this, this rainstorm, you got reported 25.6 inches of rain within approximately 12 hours. Is that about the numbers that you guys are hearing? Yeah, I, it, it was actually five hours. Oh, it was, it was, it was that much within five hours? Within five hours, it was a flash flood and it was a one in a 1000 year storm. Wow. Wow. Um, and, and I want to talk about the storm, but I'm going to bring you back even further back in time just for a second. Um, you were named CIO of, of the city last August, right? So you've now been in, you've now been in the, the role for uh, just a little bit over a year. Um, but at the time in April, you had only been on the job for like seven or eight months, right? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. And so when you came in, you had this plan for um, digitizing and modernizing your, your city's uh, technology systems, right? So discuss kind of what you were doing before the storm hit. What, what was the big plan? Sure, absolutely. When I, when I started, um, I developed this three to five year plan. Uh, after doing um, an assessment and scanning the environment, it was clear that most of the challenges we were facing fall, fell under three categories cybersecurity, uh, modernization or digital transformation, yep. depending on your figure, uh, and human capital. And what I did was I created a matrix. And in that matrix, uh, there were emergency items, things that needed to be handled immediately, uh, and, um, urgent and then important. And in that plan, I talked about um, collapsing some of the uh, older outdated data centers, um, consolidating them into two, beefing those up, yep. uh, modernizing some of the legacy apps, putting them in the cloud, uh, reducing all of the technical debt, which was an enormous amount of technical debt at that time, modernizing the backup and disaster recovery strategy. And obviously can't drain the ocean, uh, but you know, with budgetary and resource uh, considerations, my goal was to do that in three to five years. Right. And then mother nature. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it sounded like, okay, this is great. This is what, what you know, most CIOs do and, and you're, you're rolling along. You understand that there's a three-year process and then boom, this thing hits, right? Yeah. So how much yeah, of this were you, were, were you able to implement any of this plan before uh, this, this flooding happened or was it basically like, oh, now we've got to do something else or we've got to figure, we've got to go into disaster mode. Well, we were in the middle of a couple of projects. Yeah. Um, as I said, we were trying to deal with the most urgent ones first. Um, obviously, known um, uh, cybersecurity vulnerabilities. We were in the process of that. Um, we're in the process of upgrading uh, some of the technology infrastructure, uh, which was considerably aged. Um, and uh, we were starting just with our storage. And we were also uh, in the process of uh, shopping, if you will, 
for an ITSM uh, tool replacement, as well as our backup and disaster uh, modernization and standardization plan. Uh, so to answer your question, um, we were in the middle of some of those projects and some of them hadn't even started. Yeah. And, and I guess that the most uh, critical one was the data center uh, consolidation that we weren't even that wasn't even going to be in the plan for at least another year. OK, so so take me through the, the day of the storm, because did this happen overnight or did this happen in the in the day? Like take us through your day as as far yeah. as you can recall what happened. Yeah, well, April 12th, it started out as a regular day, um, came to work, you know, everything's hustling, bustling. It, it was a rainy day and, and normally, you know, I would leave the office. I actually had an online class that night and uh, the class started at 630. So normally I would leave the office about five mm -hmm. to get home by six, have dinner and be ready for my online class. And it was about 530 and I saw the rain. I said, you know what, if I leave now, I'm going to be stuck in traffic because traffic moves slower when right. it's raining. Right. And uh, that was a bad, bad, bad decision <laughs> uh, because uh, by eight o'clock, maybe by, by 730, eight o'clock, I drive a forerunner and the water was up to my wheel well. Yeah. Um, the parking lot was completely flooded and we couldn't even exit the building. At that time, it was just myself, the security guard um, and our attorney. Uh, he he walked out and he came back in. His car was covered. He had a BMW. Yeah. Uh, sh shorter. So his car was inaccessible. So we came back in. We sat down. We said, OK, we'll wait and see if the storm will pass over. It never stopped. Yeah. It just kept raining and raining and raining and raining and raining. And I'd say maybe about 845, 9 o'clock, I got the call um, from our um, emergency management uh, chief uh setting letting us know that we were going to stand up the emergency operations center which was a surprise to me yeah um but then when i looked outside uh at that time um you know th the city was literally inundated we had over 600 calls uh um we had rescued folks um we couldn't even get some of them through the door uh they had to be pulled out through the window um, we had to reach out to other agencies. Luckily for us, it was centralized just to, for Lauderdale. Had this been a larger disaster, we would not have been, been able to reach out to some of our colleagues yep. nearby. Um, and I think probably within uh, within a 24-hour period, it was declared a, a disaster. You, you've probably seen some of the pictures. I mean, there were cars just left in the street. Right. People couldn't even drive. It, it, was, it looked like something out of, uh, you know, one of those uh, end of the world uh, movies. <laughs> now, at, at some point, like when you got that call, did you start to realize that this was some? This was now a uh, emergency response system rather than just a, a heavy rainstorm, and that certain things within your purview were then uh, going to be affected or did get affected. Was that was that going well, through your at mind? The time, at the at the time that I got the call, I just thought it would be a flooding event. Yeah. Um, but when I started realizing that some things were getting bad was um when we lost power to the building. So I happened to be standing in front of the building mm -hmm. and I actually called my husband at that time and asked him to come pick me up because I couldn't get to my car. Yeah. And while I was waiting for him, um what normally would take maybe twenty minute drive, it took him an hour and a half to get here. Um, so while I was waiting for him, I could see the water rising. You couldn't see the street anymore. You couldn't see the parking lot. Um, and then um, I don't know what the exact cause was, but we heard this loud bang. 
And I later found out that that was our generator. <laughs> so, so the bu- so the building the building lost power. Okay, right. And, and I couldn't at that time. We were standing in front of the building, so because the building lost power, we couldn't get back in the building because all of our door access uh, is run by a, a computer system. Yeah. So now stuck in front of the city hall, water's oh rising. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get people on the phone to get them at the ELC to, to activate the ELC. Most of the people that are west can't get back east because the water is flooded. We happen to have uh, one of our um, uh, team members had a uh, amphibious vehicle and he was able to to drive to to uh, the ELC where they were just starting to set up. And everything literally happened minute by minute by minute by minute by minute. Yeah, probably about midnight. We were in full ELC mode and and people were just, you know, calling for help. Yeah. Did you know at that time at that time, the building, uh, even though we lost power in the building, I wasn't that concerned because I knew we had a generator. But at the time, I didn't know it. That loud sound that I heard, the generator was also not working. Right. So probably by the morning, by that next morning, we realized that we were completely dead. Yep. There was no power to the city hall whatsoever. Okay. Now, did did um, were the the data centers that you had? You said you had a bunch of different systems in different locations, correct? Correct. Yeah. And main one of our main data centers was the city hall. So okay. a, a good portion of all of our services were no longer operational. Does that now? Does that have redundant backup so that you could still you could still save all the data and and you know, as, as part of a disaster recovery plan or a backup system. Right. So, yeah. so we had, we had a generator and we had the UPS. Yep. Once the generator, once the generator died, the UPS ran as long as it could. I believe it ran for maybe about six hours and then it died. Okay. So everything in the data center did a hard shutdown, yep. which is not good for computer equipment. <laughs> <laughs> but now remember, ignorance is bliss because I'm not knowing this at this time. Yep. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, my generator's going and my UPS is going. I didn't find out till the next morning that everything was dead. Okay. And that's when we started scrambling around um, at that point realizing, okay, this is not just a storm. This is a serious event yep. and um, you know, obviously safety, life and safety is the first concern. Um, and then after that, it's how do we recover? How do we get back online? And believe it or not, you know, some of our systems that our residents would rely on to get help were no longer available. Yeah. That's when it really hits you. <laughs> yeah. Did you lose, did you lose any emergency communication systems or were those, were those safe and, and, and up and running? No, we, no, we didn't lose any emergency communication system. Okay. Those are on our radio system, which is run uh, out of our police department. Yep. And uh, they never lost power, luckily. Okay. So radio communications was fine, but email communications we lost, which was a significant um, challenge because now our city manager and some of our community services uh, professionals had to set up Gmails just to communicate with people because we could, we had no Fort Lauderdale email. Yeah. And our city manager had to set up a Gmail account just to communicate with the governor and the state to get help for, for, for our residents. So it, it was definitely a lessons learned. Yeah. And, well, you know, you may take a lot of things for granted uh, when it comes to technology and communications. Um, and, and we think about cybersecurity, we think about ransomware and so forth, yeah. but who would think of a thousand year flood where not only did you lose power to your building, you lost your, your, your generator, um, and, and all of your systems that were relying on this core critical site, right. uh, now are down the water. Now, now, obviously being in Florida, you have pre- preparations and plans for hurricanes, um, being in Florida, 
But those are usually have like five to six days of exactly. of time. Yeah, by that time, we've already backed everything up. Yeah, yeah. We've already, you know, put uh, you know a plastic on the computers. We've we've already gone through our checklist. Okay, who's on shift one? Who's on shift? We had none of that as a luxury did, uh, this time. Yeah, it did, really kind of makes you think. Rethink yeah. your whole emergency management incident response plan. What do you do when there is no twelve hour or eight hour notice? Did you stick to that incident response plan or did you find yourself improvising and and prioritizing and and calling audibles as they would in in a football game? Yeah, uh, I would say for that first 24 hours, we were improvising and calling audibles. I don't think we actually got ourselves to a place where we could pull out that emergency response plan uh, till probably about 48 hours in. And at that time, it was just, okay, we have access to nothing. What do we need to do now? We do back up to our emergency operations center. And the thought was, hey, if we could get power to our city hall data center, even if it's just for a few hours, we could virtually migrate everything over. Yeah. Um, but we weren't able to get power uh, to the building for probably two to three days. Yeah. So what were the priorities that were that were given to the to you as the CIO or that you, you know you told you probably had a list of requests from a lot of different departments about get me back up or put me back up on the list or you, you know and so yeah. how how do you, yeah. how did you prioritize um well i think our main priority was communication um and uh that was a combination of network connectivity uh as well as email um we were able to reroute uh some of the uh, network connectivity from that single building city hall um to our emergency operations center and we slowly but surely started uh, bringing things back up and i really want to give a shout out to my network team because they literally redesigned our network in like a 48-hour period something that would normally take you know meetings and plans and diagrams and um, I, they literally just got in. Okay, we need to move this over here. We need this over there, and um, and and, and we got us uh, uh, network connectivity. They used some dark fiber, and they got everything, uh, or at least uh, network connectivity up yeah. and running for most of the buildings that have been down. Now, email, on the other hand, we had some uh, challenges with that, and it was an interesting complex challenge because even though we had moved to Office three sixty five, we still had a segment of our population that was still on an on-prem exchange server. Uh And because of that segment uh, being on the on-prem exchange server, it now made uh, accessing email in the cloud impossible for the the folks who had already moved to the cloud. So here it is, we had invested in moving folks to the cloud so that we would have this business continuity. And because that segment of the population was still on prem, <laughs> it was an all or nothing. So we still didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that was interesting. That was challenging. And like I said, you know, it took us over a week uh, before we got that up. And and I will take a, a moment here to to point out that um, part of the delay in getting that up and running was not having a a a vendor on retainer uh-huh. that we could call and get i mean we had to get a contract we had to get it through legal and even though it was emergency it still took us about two or three days to wow. get the approvals in place so that's one lesson that i learned yeah. build those partnerships ahead of time have those folks that you can call and and they and in the event of emergency make sure they're already through your procurement and legal and you have those um 
purchasing vehicles in place. So when you need them, you're not standing there trying to get the your attorney to, to look through it with five other uh, directors that are doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah, lawyers, right? <laughs> I, I'm, you don't have to answer that. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, and you were telling me when we were when we were chatting before the uh, the show that um, you had like five different data centers, correct? That you were in, right. the, in the process of, of uh, consolidating. consolidating. So yep. it's almost like you found a silver lining out of this event because now you yes. could accelerate the, that consolidation because you already had some damage. What well, was it? Damage systems or just systems that weren't online? Oh, the systems were fine. Yeah. They just had a hard shutdown. And there were some where we wondered whether they would come up or not. But uh, to be honest with you, I've heard someone say it never let a good crisis go to waste. Because throughout this crisis, we were we didn't have to worry about establishing a maintenance window because everything was already down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we literally uh, evacuated that entire data center um, probably within about four to five days. We still had a few pieces that were left behind, like the Halon system and um, some of the UPS and, and batteries and stuff like that. But as far as uh, servers and systems and storage, within 48 hours, we were able to move everything out. And, and, and here's another reason why we were able to do that in such a, a short amount of time. We had already had the space at our offsite data center as well as our AOC. Yep. Right. So we were already building that space for that three year plan. So the racks were there, the power was there, the pooling was there. So it was just a matter. Initially, we wanted to try to do it virtually, uh, but we tried and that didn't work. So we literally had to physically, everything was already shut down, take them out of the racks. Um, and this is a six floor data center now. And mind you, for the first two days, we didn't have any an elevator because there was no power in the building. Right. Um, and this was again, back to that partnership. We were able to partner uh, with a local vendor uh, who specializes in moving data centers. And uh, we got, because it was an emergency, we got the contract signed yep. and approved. Yep. And let's see, the, the storms happened on Wednesday by Saturday. We had people on site physically moving servers and printers out of the data center into um, our emergency operations center. And probably within maybe about a week or two, uh, we probably restored about 78 to 80% of all of our systems. Okay. So it, it, yeah, like how long did it take before you felt like you were back um, out of crisis mode and in and back to back to quote unquote normal? Well, that's well, kind of hard to, to answer because yeah. even though we got the data center up and running and we got services restored, we had people that were displaced. So we were still looking for places to house people, uh, looking for, I mean, we had to hold our commission meeting at the Broward Center for the Performing Arts um, because pub legally we have to have open meetings. Yeah. Um, we had to move uh, our peg channel. We had to uh, rent a van uh, for some of the AV equipment because that has to be publicized. Yep. Um, so we, you know, we had to rent storage. And our folks were going in at 6 a.m. to offload the, the the equipment, set it up at these different locations because we couldn't leave our equipment there because we were only borrowing the space. So um, from a systems restoration uh, standpoint, I would say a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But as far as not being in emergency mode, several months, and I would say we're, we still are in somewhat of an emergency mode because we don't have a permanent home for uh, our commission, we did. Uh, we just signed uh, two uh, two leases uh, for a building to house our commission meetings, but we still have to get everything set up. Yep. Um. You know, 
And we said, and then now in the middle of all of this, right? Are you going to throw something else at me now? <laughs> I'm going to throw something else at you now. We were scheduled to build the new police headquarters. We broke ground on our police headquarters back in June. They started uh, building. And the idea was to stay in the old police headquarters until the new police headquarters was built. Uh-huh. It's a year period. And the compactions uh, started vibrating the existing building and there was a concern about employee health. So we had an emergency evacuation of our police headquarters while we were still recovering from the, <laughs> the, uh, the BD. So um, needless to say, uh, we, we've kind of been in crisis mode for the past. Okay. So, months. so I guess, so the, the, the answer is that we're now six months in and you're still, you know, seeing ripple effects, I guess, of, of this event. Is that a say, is that fair to say? That is fair to say, yep. but what it's also fair to say is that consolidate that data center consolidation, it's probably going to happen before the end of this year. And so what, yeah, originally, when was that supposed to be finished at, after the three uh, years? We, we, we were looking at probably two to three year process because we knew that we were going to be losing. We were going to be moving out of the PDHQ because that was our other critical site. But the new building wasn't scheduled to be uh, built until 2025. So eliminating that data center was probably not going to come until 2025. Well, now that we've gotten, um, you know, the direction to immediately evacuate that building, we are migrating um, servers and systems as we speak. We've already evacuated the city hall. So we had five data centers. We had public works, city hall, uh, police department, um, our EOC and our and our offsite data center. Well, probably by the end of this year, we will have eliminated three of them. And that was the goal to consolidate it down to those two. So a little help of Mother Nature and some compaction. Um, so now the other here, here's the other thing that that this whole uh, ordeal has allowed us to do because of all the moving, because of all the displacement, because of all of the uh, hybrid now and the mobility that folks have to, 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 that's part of their life now. Yeah. We now have folks that are ready to digitize, um, you know, paperwork and stuff that's, that, that, you know, they didn't want to change. They didn't want to move. We now have folks that are ready to go to the cloud. We're, we now have folks partnering with us to help upgrade technologies that we've been, you know, having challenges, if you will, with, you know, that be broke, don't fix it. Right. uh, Mentality that sometimes uh, is prevalent in, in local government. And uh, really, the rate uh, that we are modernizing uh, and moving forward is something I could not have even dreamed of in my wildest dreams. Yeah, and so you had that three—you know—that original three-year plan. Do you now look at that and, and go? Do you just kind of toss that out the window, or do you no. revise it and modern? You know, do you just look at it and go, "Okay, we've already done this, this, and this, and now you know we're going to rewrite it to do these things in case we get another one of these events." No, because when I did the three-year plan, I didn't. I specifically didn't put time frames yeah, in there. Okay. I put phase one, phase two, phase three. But in my mind, I'm thinking phase one is going to take at least a year. Phase two is going to take at least a year. Yep. Phase three. But well, you didn't. But you didn't tell anybody what you, you didn't tell anybody the actual dates. Very yeah, smart. I, I just said phases. Yep. So phase one, um, we've been able to uh, we've been able to get done a lot of the things that I wasn't expecting to get done for at least another year or so. Um, we've also been able to, um, you know, we were able to, uh, help build a business case for doing a business impact analysis. 
And what we're trying to do is we're trying to change the culture that all of these technologies are belong to IT. They don't. They belong to the business. And IT does not make business decisions. IT and technology is an enabler yeah. of the decisions that are made by the business leaders. So the good that has come out of this is people have seen how technology is such a part of their organizational outcomes and missions. Not that they didn't see it before, but I think it's just more poignant, if you will. Yeah. And now they have more... Uh, or they feel like there's more skin in the game and being involved in these technology conversations for the in the past it's we're an afterthought and they don't call us until things are broken well now we have the opportunity to say we're your partners and if we're a partner we want to move from being break fix utility to being strategic partners with you at the decision making table defining what that roadmap what that strategy should be so that's really what's happening and probably a lot less time than I was expecting. Okay, and you and you already mentioned a few uh, lessons that you learned from this. Obviously, the the Gmail uh, thing was one lesson. Um, what other what other lessons did you learn being a CIO in a situation like this? Uh, well, I would say you know that old saying: prevention is cheaper than cure. Yep. Um, and um, you know there were there are many opportunities to be proactive about things, and sometimes our world is a dark hole and people don't really understand it until they feel it until there's a ransomware attack they don't want to give you a million dollars to beef up your cybersecurity program and until you know we've lost city hall and now people realize i mean i've actually had directors uh say well we don't really rely on it uh, it we're self-sufficient <laughs> well you know what not so much not so much so um and building um, and my goal was to build what i'm calling a technology committee and um and establishing business relationship managers within the IT department that meet with these businesses on a regular basis and let's not only have a conversation when there's a crisis let's build a relationship let's build a cadence so we already are aware of each other's challenges our needs our yep. outcomes so forth and then we can we can skip all of that when there is a crisis and get working towards a solution at a much quicker pace yep and as a as a leader of other people on your team did you were you able to learn anything from this experience as as a leader were you know that you um did you i, I wouldn't say did you enjoy this experience but, no, but like what did you learn did you learn anything it. more about yourself in, in the way that you lead um i did yeah not initially but after a while and i'll tell you this um dealing with a crisis i've been in crisis before i've been in a ransomware attack i've been um, you know, and, and, and critical outages. So that wasn't a surprise and that wasn't a problem. What I have not experienced is the longevity of it. Okay. You have a crisis and a couple of days you're back to normal. This has gone on for months yeah. and the exhaustion and the burnout and trying to keep people motivated and trying and wait, while, while we're dealing with this, some folks have, who live in Fort Lauderdale on my team had flooding of the deal with themselves. Right, you know, who had right. family members had to deal with it themselves. So um, the the length of it, um, I would say that uh, I underestimated um, the longevity yeah. and the toll uh, that being in disaster crisis mode for an extended amount of time can take 
on you and your team. Okay. And and I, I forgot to mention this in the beginning of the show, but this event, even, you know, it's, you know, it was historic and there was a lot of, of rain and, and, and flooding. Um, there, there were no major casualties, right? This was, this was one of those things where you didn't have a lot of loss of life at all, if, if at any, right? No, we're yeah. very proud of that. We had no loss of life. Like I shared earlier, yeah. we had over 600 rescues. Um, and because, uh, you know, even our email, uh, failed, um, because we mobilized quickly, um, I give credit to our leadership for seeing the water rising and immediately, uh, activating the emergency operations center, yep. uh, coordinating with local agencies. Um, we even got, oh, I forgot to tell you about this. So, um, Port Everglades is where a large part of our, our fuel comes in. Well, the flooding clogged, I think there were 12 fuel, uh, fuel pumps and only two of them were available. So even though we didn't have a gas shortage, we had a gas shortage in the middle of this because the gas couldn't get from the port uh, to the gas stations. Yeah. So our state had to send down trucks with gasoline because that became a crisis. So now you had people, you know, lining up at gas stations. So it was interesting how all these different pieces come to play. Um, and, and, and I've never had this challenge, you know, I, I just gifted, I'm a, a people person, but I would say for other CIOs, you know, building those relationships, um, with other people in your community and, 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 you know, local government, um, really it comes in handy. It, right. it really, it, it really is special. Um, when those relationships are already made and you call in a favor and everybody just comes together for one mission, that's protect you know, life and, and property. Right, right. Um, so hopefully over the next uh, like year and a half for this three-year plan, nothing else will go wrong. Hopefully, right? <laughs> hopefully. But it sounds hopefully. like if, if you, do, you guys do experience this again, that you, you'll, you'll at least be ready for um, almost anything then, right? Yeah, well, you know, they, they, it's, they, I, I went, one of the days when it was just, everything was really getting to me, I, I called one of my mentors and uh, uh, he said to me, he says, listen, you know, hardship, you know, you don't determine how good or great someone's character is when things are easy. When things are difficult, that's when you determine someone's character. Yep. And the leadership and the moving forward, yes, we're kind of exhausted and then we're a little burnt out. Um, but the team coming together, even the team, they said they saw collaboration that they never saw before. We established daily meetings. We were checking on each other. Can you do this? Yes, I can do that. I mean, even our admins were bringing water, uh, bringing lunch because we had engineers who were working straight hours. And really, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, that's what it takes. But um, we're capitalizing on that momentum yep. and uh, we're using it to, to move the organization forward. OK. And did, did you learn anything? Did you have to change anything re regarding your uh, disaster backup recovery plans at all based on this? And or, you know, you're just. It's, well, it's it, kind of hard to answer that because yeah. we were in the process of changing it. We were in the process yeah. of modernizing our backup and disaster recovery strategy, as a matter of fact. Um, I believe we have one more task to do and we will have closed out that project um, because that was a fiscal year 23 project. We had two different uh, systems and we had folks doing things one way here, folks doing things something differently over there. Uh, we've upgraded, we standardized, and we're now uh, building a new tenant uh, in Microsoft Azure so that we can leverage um, the replication to blob storage, which is going to cost us less money over time because we're not having to maintain on-site on-prem hardware and maintenance. Right, right. 
Okay. Uh, Tamika, like, it sounds like you deserve a break um, from all of this stuff. And um, it, again, I, I appreciate that, you, uh, you know, you gave us this uh, rundown of, of the events here. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I, I could say, you know, I don't want you to have any more experiences, but sometimes even a little disaster can, can help bring a team together, right? Yes. And not just a team, but an organization. Yeah. Because, you know, to the, let's let's be honest. Sometimes there is a disconnect between IT and the business units. Yeah. And uh, we're leveraging this opportunity to say we're in this together. This is a partnership. You know, you tell us what you need and we bring the technology in to enable it. But we need that partnership. It can't be, you know, oh, that's an IT thing. And the same thing with cybersecurity. I mean, we had an incident a couple of weeks ago. You can probably look that up in the paper where uh, we were a victim of a phishing scam. We sent one point two billion dollars to a bad actor. Oh, boy. Um, so, again, uh, if that doesn't matter how beefy your firewalls and your security programs are really it's it's an organization responsibility uh for protecting our data and the outside of human capital that's one of the organization's most important assets all right uh, tamika thanks for joining us on the show today it was uh, some some interesting stuff that was going on <laughs> thank you all right that's all the time we have for today's episode don't forget to like the video subscribe to the channel add any comments that you have below join us every week for new episodes of today in tech i'm keith shaw thanks for watching